Church in Richmond, Virginia. Our theme is Perfect Visionary, seeing 2020 through spiritual eyes. Reading from the Message Bible, Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14 says, hear the words of our Lord. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way, 
reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. Dr. Yvonne Jones Bibbs is a visionary. She sees us as God does, not for the present, but for what God will do. Henceforth, the growth we have have experienced over the past 20 years. At the same time, she keeps us focused on the finish line. Thank you, Pastor Bibbs, and happy 20th anniversary. Good morning to all. Today, a few members of the Young Adult Ministry would like to wish our pastor, Dr. Bibbs, a happy 20th anniversary. Dr. Bibbs, we sincerely appreciate your devotion, your dedication, your love, your God willing spirit, your teachings, and your wisdom. Thank you for 20 memorable years, and we wish you so many more. So not only on the behalf of the Young Adult Ministry, but the entire Sixth Baptist Church, we want to take the opportunity to say happy 20th anniversary. How are you? Hope you're doing well. Jordan and I just had to kind of come at you as a duo because Absolutely. You know, we have had history. History. And, you know, <laughs> We're so glad, I can speak for Jordan and myself when I say that you have been a part of our journey and definitely a, a significant role in who we have become today. Absolutely. And I am so glad that Jordan and I can be together to give you our gratitude and to show you our appreciation for your precious, mighty precious soul. And pastor, you are more than a pastor to me. You are somebody that I can come and talk to if I ever need to get something off my mind, you have been a blessing on my life and you have been a blessing on so many others. So I hope today you are blessed and I hope that you can be celebrated for all the great things that you do. Much love and blessings to you all. Pastor Bibbs, I just wanna express so much love that I have for you and I'm so thankful for the love that you have shown to me and to my family over the years. Um, 20 years is remarkable and you have been a pioneer and you have been a warrior for Christ, every last one of them. So congratulations and I love you, peace. My friend, Pastor Yvonne Jones Bibbs on her 20th pastoral anniversary with Sixth Baptist Church. I have always known Dr. Bibbs to be an amazing faith leader and community partner for the city of Richmond. But on a personal note, I've always considered her as a dear friend of mine, willing and ready to be my spiritual guide when the road gets tough. When I thought about what verse of the Bible speaks to Dr. Bibbs's life, I was reminded of Proverbs chapter 31 verse 26 she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue i don't know where we would be without her service to others and desire to create community throughout the pandemic she made sure others met the lord in a safe way by creating innovative ways to hold service while opening the doors of the community resource center to meet needs all across the city. This doesn't surprise me since Pastor Bibbs has always, always been a trailblazer, starting with her journey 20 years ago with this church as the first female 
to serve as pastor since its origin in 1923. She is full of perseverance and endurance as she says, everybody is somebody, and she really believes it. It is my prayer today that God continues to use Pastor Bibbs and those she touches as to lead our community to a place of unity and love. Congratulations, Pastor Bibbs, and may you be blessed with another 20 more fabulous years.
the Reverend Dr. Stephen Hewlett. Dr. Hewlett is the pastor of the Riverview Baptist Church, our neighbors. So pray with him as he brings us a word from on high, Dr. Hewlett. God is good, brothers and sisters, and worthy of all the praise, the honor, and the glory. It's my great honor to be able to share with you on this 20th anniversary of your great pastor. Great pastor, great friend of mine, and I feel so honored to be able to share with you on this day. I think that's a marvelous achievement. Pastoring people 20 years together, that's a marvelous marvelous thing. I thank God for that. Not going to hold you long, brothers and sisters, but I do want you to know that I love your pastor. She's one of my best friends. I'm always glad to talk with her on the phone, always glad to fellowship with her, always glad to be with her. And I'll say again, uh, when she called and asked if I would uh, bring one of the anniversary messages, I was, I was more than pleased, more than pleased to be able to do this. I want you to Look with me at some scripture. Give me Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 12. In the New International Version, it reads as follows. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gide. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and, 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 uh, at the temple in Jerusalem in front of the Lord and in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name saying 
if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We praise your holy name. We thank you for your presence here, for our presence in you. We come praying, Lord, that, that you wrap me up in the full length apron of your Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the tip of my toes, that your word comes forth in the power, in the fire of the Holy Ghost, that your people are edified and sanctified and you are glorified. We trust, Lord, that you have lowered us down in the stream, lowered us down in your stream, soaked us and saturated us with the power of the Holy Ghost, that our hearts and minds be opened to receive your word, that we therefore become your word made flesh. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to preach from the subject uh, today, brothers and sisters, uh, for this 20th anniversary of this great pastor and people, the requirement for victory, the requirement for victory. You know, I thank God to be able to make it through each day and each year of my life. And I like to check from time to time and make an assessment of my life to see if I've gotten any better, to see what I can do to be better, to be a better person the next time, or to see what I did during the week or the year that I can use to help me make it through another day or through another year on a better note before the Lord. And that's why I don't have any problem with Mondays, brothers and sisters. Dr. Bibbs, I don't have any problem with Mondays because Mondays are indicative of the fact that the Lord has given us yet another opportunity to fix up what we might have messed up the week before. And I found out in my short time of living, brothers and sisters, Dr. Bibbs, I found out in my short time of living that there is really only one requirement when you think about it in order to become better or to make it through the days of our lives. It doesn't require that one have a PhD in astrophysics or that you be the brightest bulb in the pack or the smartest cookie in the cookie jar. You don't have to be able to quote Reinhold Niebuhr or Tillich or William Shakespeare or know the workings of ecclesiology, soteriology, and pneumatology. But nevertheless, in order to make it through life successfully, it is necessary that one know the requirement for victory. 
And in our text today, uh, Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel uh, help us in that they show us what made them victorious when they were faced with a problem of such monumental proportions that it made Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah say to the Lord, we do not know what to do. In the 19th chapter of 2nd Chronicles, it says that Jehoshaphat had brought the people of Judah back to the Lord. And now in the 20th chapter, it seems like the bottom is about to drop out of their bag and the floodgates of devastation are about to be opened up on them. The Revised Standard Version and the New International Version say it this way. After this Meaning, after Jehoshaphat had brought the people back to the Lord, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites have always plagued God's people. See, the Moabites are the people who never have enough. They want what they have and what someone else has as well. Uh, they want your woman or your man, and they already have a woman or a man. They want their money and your money too. See, the Moabites want their stuff and your stuff too. Uh, they are the people who always want more, more, more. More money, more women, more men, more stuff, because they never have enough. And that's why they're called the Moabites. Now, the Ammonites are the people who always want to have it their way, like the church is a Burger King or something. They always want to be running things their way, whether they know what they're doing or not. They always want to be large and in charge, whether they're qualified or not. They're the ones you see and hear saying in their actions or in their words, if anybody is going to be the boss, I am. If anybody is going to be locked and in charge, I am. If anybody is going to run things, I am. If anybody is going to have his or her way, I am. And that's why, brothers and sisters, they're called the Ammonites. Now, the me unites are the ones with the me first attitudes. They're the ones uh, with the it's all about me attitude. The, the ones with the it better be me attitudes. And uh, they're the egotistical ones oftentimes. And you hear them oftentimes even speak of themselves in the third person. Saying stuff like, homie, don't play that, meaning the topic is not open for a discussion. See, the me unites are the ones who are quick to cuss somebody out, tell somebody off, be downright rude, crude, and unattractive, and then rationalize their devilish ways by saying stuff like, uh, I'm just being me, or I've got to be me, or don't play with me because you don't know me. They're the ones who, if you don't call their names out and give them some props, if you don't recognize them and give them some credit, if you don't put the spotlight on them like their own uh, 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 American, they show American Idol or something. When they do the least little thing, they think you're dissing them and they will stop being your friend and threaten to leave the church or will cause such a commotion that it will make you wish they would leave the church. And that's why they're called the me unites. And see, brothers and sisters, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites have always plagued God's people. 
And after Jehoshaphat and the people had gotten themselves together and were worshiping the Lord as the people of God should, the text says, after this, after the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Meunites, some old stuff that the people of God thought was already straight, some mess that they thought had been taken care of a long time ago, pops up. See, that's how life is, brothers and sisters. All of us have had what this text calls uh, an after this time in our lives. Uh, the after this time is after you've done the right thing to get where you are and after you've gotten yourself together, stuff that you thought was already taken care of pops up to mess up what's already been fixed up. The after this time is after you've made up your mind that you were going to follow the Lord. Some old stuff from your past that you thought was left in your past shows up with a short skirt on or some skinny jeans on to throw a monkey wrench in all your efforts and all your plans. And the after this time, Dr. Bibbs, uh, in our lives is when we've struggled and struggled to get to where we want to be in life and we've dealt with the problems and the things that came with the struggles and now that we're there something else pops up the after this time is when you've made one step forward and something hops up to knock you two steps backwards the after this time is when you find yourself saying Lord have mercy if it ain't one thing it's another and see see the reason for the after this times, brothers and sisters, is because with every new level, there's a new devil. Because the devil does not want you strong and at ease and at peace with your mind on the Lord, Dr. Bibbs. The, the devil does not want you to be a servant of the Lord. The devil wants you to be a slave to him. And if he can stir up some old stuff to make it stink long enough to get you to where uh, he wants you, if he can put you in yet another mess, then he'll do just that because the enemy, the devil, wants to stop you by any means necessary. And so the text says after this the Moabites, the Ammonites and the Meunites, some old enemies, some old stuff which comprised a vast and overwhelming army come out to attack the people of Judah. And look Dr. Bill, look at what Jehoshaphat and the people did. The text says that Jehoshaphat and the people sought the Lord. And check this out, brothers and sisters. Uh, we don't want to miss this part. See, it wasn't just Jehoshaphat and a few priests seeking the Lord. It wasn't just Jehoshaphat and a few elders seeking the Lord. It wasn't just the preacher and a few deacons or those who knew the word of prayer seeking the Lord. But the text says that Jehoshaphat and all Judah sought the Lord. And everybody else and everywhere, in other words, everybody went seeking the Lord's help on one accord. Hear what this text is saying, brothers and sisters. Hear what this text is saying. See, when problems come in the church, when problems come in our lives, it would greatly benefit us to get in the habit of getting the whole church, getting the whole family together and seeking the Lord about it. When there is a problem in the church, it's not just the preacher's problem, it's not just the deacon's 
problem is not just the trustees problem it's the whole church's problem when there's a problem in your family it's not just your mama's problem it's not just your daddy's problem it's the whole family's problem and God wants us to get in the habit of coming together on one accord and seeking God together because if it's a problem that affects you then it's a problem that affects me too because we are all in this thing together the text says Jehoshaphat and all of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. See, 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 Dr. B. See, brothers and sisters, the text puts emphasis on the fact that they all came together when it says, indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek the Lord. See, brothers and sisters, if we would do more seeking with each other and less peeking and sneaking and freaking and creeping with each other, we would be more victorious individually and collectively as well. The text shows us that Jehoshaphat reminds God of what God had done before. And Jehoshaphat stands on promises that God had already made. See, Dr. Beers, uh, see, 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 brothers and sisters, Jehoshaphat was convinced that God had the power to change any situation completely without any human cooperation. In other words, uh, when the odds are against us and we're powerless and can do nothing because we don't know what to do, that's all right because God doesn't need us in order to perform a miracle anyway. See, there are times when the Lord will give us the strength to win the victory by doing the fighting ourselves. And then there are times when things are so bad that we are powerless to do anything ourselves. And in times like those, the only thing we can do is just stand back and wait on the Lord to act. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Uh, when we've been, when we've done everything right and everything turns out wrong, uh, when you've done uh, your best, uh, when we've done our best and yet the worst keeps happening, uh, when you put your best foot forward and even your best foot comes up lame, when hope is gone and dreams of happiness on earth prove illusory. In times like those, uh, we don't know what to do. And in times such as those, it's easy to fall into bitter resignation. But where there is faith in God, Dr. Beers, we do not, that the, the we do not know what to do part of the text uh, leads us into the main part of our text which says, but our eyes are on you, O Lord. That's what Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah said. They admitted they didn't know what to do, but their eyes were on God nonetheless because they knew that even if they didn't know what to do, God knew what to do. See, this text is telling us that the Christian response in the worst of times must be, my eyes are on you. Oh Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this mess I'm in, but my eyes are on you, oh Lord. We don't know how we're going to make it from one day to the next, but our eyes are on you, oh Lord. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the trouble that tries me, but my eyes are on you, 
Oh, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to carry these bone-crushing burdens, but my eyes are on you, oh, Lord. I don't know how I'm going to get up after I've been knocked down so many times that getting up ought not to even cross my mind, but my eyes are on you, oh, Lord, because I know that you have the power to pick me up and turn me around and place my feet on solid ground. And I found Dr. Beavs in my time of personal and private assessment that sometimes God empowers us to fight and win the battle and other times God fights the battle for us. And I found out that the reason God does it that way sometimes is because there's a temptation in being too victorious too early. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. See, sometimes we can be so victorious when God empowers us that we could easily get the big head and start thinking it was only us. It was only our power. It was only by our might that we are bad or back ourselves. But what the Lord wants us to see is that even when God empowers us to get the victory, we must never forget. We must not forget that it was still God. See, uh, you, you might have made it this far with a string of victories under your belt, Dr. Briggs, Dr. Dr. Bibbs, but it was still God. You may have succeeded where others failed uh, because you wouldn't give up on your dreams, Dr. Bibbs, uh, but it was still God. You may have a nice job, a nice house, a nice car, and a nice education procured through perseverance and diligence in the sweat of your brow and have been able to accumulate a little money in the bank, but it was still God. Maybe you've survived all of these years with a reasonable portion of health and strength by simple preventive medicine while others you know have succumbed to illness and death or lost their minds, but it was still God. You, you, you may have gotten all of your children to the point where they're grown and gone and doing well on their own, even if they won't leave your wallet alone, but it was still God. You may have made it out of the world and into the church because you came running one day, my brother. You came running one day, my sister, asking, what must I do to be saved? While friends you used to run with ended up trapped by the snares of sin, but it was still God. The alarm clock uh, you bought with your money may have rained this morning to awaken you from the peaceful sleep you enjoyed last night in your bed and you find yourself here giving praises to the Lord with your voice but it was still God who touched you with the finger of his love and put articulation uh, in a tongue that he gave you uh, and activity in the limbs that he made you and woke you up in his time and started you on your way with his grace and his mercy. Regardless how you stick your chest out and pat yourself on the back because you made it. It's still God. It's still God. It's still God. Every good thing you've got, every good thing you are, every victory you've ever won is because God is God and God does not need us for the victory because God is God all by God's self. And the fact that you've been victorious, Dr. Beers, the fact 
that you've been victorious and you're still here to talk about it my brothers and my sisters is not an indication of your prowess or your power but an indication that God is still God all by God that God is good all the time and all the time God is good that God is good when we're on the mountaintop and God is good when the mountain is on top of us do you hear what this text is saying. The text says, when Jehoshaphat and the people saw the awesomeness of God, they fell down and worshiped God. See, this text is telling us that the more we realize just how awesome God is, the more our faith is built up, and the more we want to worship God. Listen, we can't build our faith off the things that we've done. Because we can't always depend on us to always get the job done. I believe it was the late great social prophet uh, Richard Pryor who said that sometimes we have to sleep with one eye open and the other eye closed just so that we can watch our own selves. But see, when we realize just who God is and just how awesome God is, then our faith is increased because we realize that uh, in God, all things are possible. See, brothers and sisters, see, uh, Dr. Bibbs, sometimes God allows things in our lives wherein all we can say is we don't know what to do. So that we will realize that it is God's power that sees us through. And without God's power, uh, there can be no victories at all. And when Jehoshaphat realized that, he went from fear to faith and from catastrophe to confidence. And when Jehoshaphat realized that God was for them, he began to witness to the people. Uh, see, in verse 20 of this chapter, Jehoshaphat says to the people, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. See, See, when you realize that God is for you and that if God is for you, who can be against you? It makes you bold and want, uh, makes you want to witness to others because of what you know. See, when you know that you know that you know that you know that God is better to you than you could ever be to yourself, it gives you confidence and it makes you want to tell somebody else about the goodness of the Lord because you've learned to trust in God. See, Jehoshaphat was saying to the people, trust God and you will find God to be trustworthy. In other words, Jehoshaphat knew the requirement for victory. See, brothers and sisters, you can't know God is trustworthy until you start to make some decisions based on God's promises. Uh, the requirement is to trust God and render unto God what is your reasonable service. And the promise is, see, won't I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you won't have room enough to receive, pressed down, shaking together, and running over heat unto your bosom. But you will never know what, uh, that God is trustworthy in that matter unless you trust God enough to stand on God's promises and render your reasonable service. 
The requirement is trust God and step out on faith. And the promise is no matter where you go, he will be with us always. But, but we will never know that God is trustworthy in that matter unless we step out on faith and start trying to go some places where we wouldn't otherwise go because we believe God is always with us. Listen. How, how do you know your umbrella will keep the rain off of you if you never put your umbrella up in the rain? Huh? God wants us to put God to the test so that we will see that God is trustworthy and still opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out blessings so abundantly we don't have room enough to receive them all. See, the trustworthiness of God cannot be known until one starts to make decisions on the basis of God's promises. How do you know that God will see you through seen and unseen dangers if you never trust God to do so when the danger comes? How do you know God will make a way out of no way if you've never trusted God to do so when there is no way out? How do you know that God will pick you up and turn you around and place your feet on solid ground if you've never trusted God when you were dead? God wants us to commit our trust to God because God is trustworthy. And I'm getting ready to close now. But let me, let me, let me tell you this. Listen, the requirement was that we should die because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the promise was that God would commit God's self in covenant to us and the requirement now is that we live committed lives to God because God is committed to us. And let me tell you what commitment to God means, brothers and sisters. Dr. Beers, let me tell you what commitment to God means. You already know. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. But let me, let me just remind you that commitment to God is the making over of one's life as God, through Jesus Christ, made God's life over for us. Uh, let me tell you what I'm talking about. See, the reason God is so trustworthy is because God is committed to us. See, God showed commitment to us in that God made God's self over for us and wrapped God's self up in a flimsy garment of flesh and came down to through 40 and two generations. God showed commitment to us, I tell you, uh, in that uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes where we heal. God showed commitment to us in that while we were yet sinners, he hung, bled, and died on the cross for us uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And God showed God's trustworthiness in that early, early one Sunday morning, he got up, uh, Jesus got up from death in the grave with all power in his hands so that you and I might have a right to the tree of life. Ah, ah, just like he said he would do. In other words, God is committed to us and God is trustworthy. And I know right now, I've learned after all these years, I've learned and I know you've learned, uh, uh, Dr. Beers, after these 20 years. And even before that, I'm sure you learned that you know the requirement 
for victory. I know the requirement for victory, I tell you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge God and God will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord and when storm clouds arise and enemies gather all around you, he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord and when tribulations trials and when friends forsake us and when lies offend us, he will direct our path. Trust in the Lord and when problems plague us and when sickness assaults us and when death sets at our doorsteps, he will direct our path. See, we might not always know what to do, but we know a God who always knows what to do. We know the one who always knows what to do. That's why we sing. That's why we say, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. You haven't made it all these 20 years, uh, uh, Dr. Bills. Uh, you have made it all of these 20 years, church family and pastor. You haven't made it through all that you've experienced uh, throughout your existence by way of your own powers. Uh, uh, you haven't made it this far is evidence and indicative of the fact that God knows exactly what to do and is committed to you and God is trustworthy. Trust in the Lord, Dr. Beers. Trust in the Lord, brothers and sisters, with all your heart because this so sweet, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise. Just to say, thus said the Lord, God is good, I tell you, and worthy of all the praise, the honor, and the glory. God is good when we're on the mountaintop, and God is good when the mountain is on top of us. For 20 years, God has been good to you, Dr. Bills. For 20 years, God has been good to you, Sixth Baptist Church. God is good all the time, and God is good uh, because God is a good God. Is he all right? Is he all right? Somebody say yeah. Somebody say yeah. Thank God for 20 years, Dr. Bills. Thank God for your service, Dr. Bills. You made it this far because you know the requirement for victory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And God will direct your path. Ah, we love you. And we thank the world of you. And we're hoping for you. We're praying for you. We're wishing for you another 20 years if that's what you want. God is good, I tell you, and will give us the desires of our hearts. Bless you. Thank God for meeting us in this sanctuary today. I have felt the anointing of God in this place, and I'm thankful to God for your presence, hallelujah, regardless to where you are in this worship. I want to thank Pastor Stephen Hewlett for just granting us some of your knowledge and allowing God to equip you to deliver the message today. Oh, what a message it was. Thank you, my friend and my brother in Christ, Happy to serve in the same community uh, and with you and that together we can lead our congregations 
uh, to do more of what God has called us to do, and that is to be the church of the living God. What a fine work you're doing and the people at Riverview. And I want to hasten to say thank you for being a part of our 20th anniversary of pastor and people. Thank you for all who shared today. I praise God for each week. I don't know who's going to say what, but I'm grateful that you're representing the entire church. Whatever you do and whatever you say, the church is certainly, I know, thankful. And personally, I cannot express with words how thankful I am for your generosity in sharing tediously and lovingly from your heart. Thank you so much. When we think about church, my sisters and brothers, uh, our church, as many of you all know, started in 1923. And because of that, and because of the fine commitment and dedicated service of the pastors and the officers and the members of the church, we've been together for almost 98 years. And so we are very, very thankful to God for the celebration of pastor and people for 20 years as we have grown up, so to speak, because when children get 18, Lord help 21, they're grown. And so we have one generation that has grown up since my tenure there, for which I am eternally thankful to have been a part of raising those children who were babies when I arrived. And now they're grown and celebrating life. But I'm appreciative of everyone today every person in the church, every person again, regardless to your title, I'm appreciative of what you do in the church to make us the church of the living God that God is, I believe, pleased with. So today I encourage you to continue to stay prayerful. I thank you for celebrating God as we celebrate uh, the unity of pastor and people, and that you will just seek a positive celebration when we finish today and give the benediction, that you will celebrate what God has done in your life. Hallelujah. <laughs> and how God is going to magnify himself more so as we move forward. Not only after this worship, but as we move forward day by day. Thank you again to all of the members of the planning committee. As I said last week, I don't know who you are, but I know whose you are. You're God's children. And you are the church representing SBC and representing the whole wide world. So thank you so very much. God bless you indeed. Praise God for all who have shared again I love you very much, thanking God for my family and thanking God for all of you all, my church family and community as well. God bless you and remember as we move forward, we are walking together with Jesus and when you walk with Jesus, you'll never be out of step. And so may God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit 
comfort, encourage, and keep the church. Keep us from falling. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember that you can accomplish more in one hour with God than a lifetime without him. So serve him today and tell somebody about the goodness of God. That's all we really want, Lord, is just to be where you are, Just to be in your presence. We honor you. Praise is what I do. When I want to be close to you. my testimony in all that I go through. Somebody said why? I said because 